Hey guys, this is Don Airy from Deep Purple and you are listening to the Deep Purple Podcast. It's been a pleasure. You're listening to the Deep Purple Podcast, a fan podcast about one of the most legendary bands of all time, Deep Purple. We take a look at the music, history, and people behind the band Deep Purple and beyond. Welcome to the Deep Purple Podcast, the first and only podcast devoted to one of the greatest bands in rock history, Deep Purple. Today's episode is episode number 240, Deep Purple Bananas, part one. And coming to you from the suburbs of Chicago, where every man has a dog shadow, I'm your host, Nathan Beaudry. And coming to you from the suburbs of Providence, I'm your co-host, John Chaco Tires Matola. <laughs> oh, Thanks for that, Nate. Do I get um what is it? What do they call like residuals for, for credit, credit for that one? <laughs> Writing credits. You get credit. <laughs> You're John's doing covers now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it was pretty funny. Yeah, but was, was that was like what an hour ago that you said you you ran over a Twix bar or something? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> Well, the only reason I knew was is because I pulled up to one uh, uh, to the gas station to the tire pressure machine, oh. and I was checking the pressure of my tires because I had the little um, tire light has been on, which usually happens when mm-hmm. um, the weather changes. So I had to make sure that all the tires were inflated correctly. So that's the only time my face is close to one of my tires. So I looked and I was I like, "Oh, what's that?" There's like freaking brown stuff all over it. Then I look over and there's just a squashed Twix bar like right behind the tire. Oh, so you would and just like, run over it in the gas station or yeah, whatever. Yeah, I feel like that's, I don't know, I feel like that's kind of intentional because that it was there. I don't know why. Why would you buy a perfectly good Twix bar? Ha <laughs> ha, you have Twix on your tire now. That's not a good prank. They get to listen I mean, to our Richie Pranks episode. <laughs> hiding, hiding in the bushes. <laughs> pushing each other in the bush. Here he comes, here he comes. Ah, that's, that dumb bastard. He's got chocolate he got the on old, his t- We gave him the old Twix tire. <laughs> well, now yeah, you've got you know, chocolate melted inside your car from when I was there a couple weeks ago, and you've got chocolate <laughs> melted outside your car. Oh, that's right. You know, I'm, yeah, I'm working toward having a Choco car. A completely complete Choco car, yeah. The Choco well, mobile. I got to enjoy some of that. That was it a peanut butter bar? Yeah, I know some some oh. something from Wright's it was a yeah, it was like a mm. chocolate peanut butter sort of thing. Oh, it was delicious. Yeah. So it was, yeah, so that's it was totally worth my... cleaning your car seats. For me anyway. Yeah, well, I mean it's it's fine, except a couple of days later I was like, you know, attached my phone to the to its holder and then when I pulled my hand out there was chocolate on my fingers and I'm like, Yeah, where did that come from? How did that get there? Well, but, I, um, I can relate to the tire thing. My my my, uh, my tire light wouldn't go off, and I had all my tires replaced. And then the twenty four hours later, the tire thing was came back on, and the guy at the tire shop said, "Oh, your rims are corroded. You got to go to a rim shop." So I called the rim shops, and they're all like these crazy like crazy fly by night places, and they're just like, "Oh yeah, like I can do it, but it's a big job. And it's like a big job to fix four rims, like." It's a big job, and you're going to have to... I don't have any place to store your car, so you're going to have to put your car in blocks and bring your tires here. I'm like, yeah, well, next. I'm not doing that. There's just no <laughs> chance. And then, I, so I got all my rims re-finished because there was corrosion on them, and then 24 hours later, the, the, the light came on again. 
And I call, called back. I was like, hey, my light's back on already. And they took it back in. They're like, oh, yeah, your valve stems all need to be replaced, too. So after, like, I don't know, freaking $1,500, I've gone a full week without uh, tire light. So I <laughs> just like, rather the tire light yeah, stay on. Exactly. I was like, well, maybe the tire light wasn't so. I did have to fill up my tires basically every day. It was super annoying. It probably uh, wasn't well, great for my gas mileage or anything mm-hmm. either. Well, spoiler alert, everything is inflated to the correct amount so it's probably a bad sensor or something but Uh, i'm not taking it in because anytime i take it in and i was like i'll be like hey so uh you probably just need to like hit a reset button or something and they're like no you're gonna owe us twelve hundred dollars jokes on me yeah if you can get out of there with anything under four figures you're you're lucky Mm, but anyways i did um that did spur me on as part of my my errands today to go get my car washed so Spent uh, only nine dollars on that to oh, get off cheap. the Twix and some bird poop. That's that's good. Wait, well, <laughs> I took the kids. The running joke in the family. I took the kids to a car wash uh, recently, and uh, they have like the you know super platinum whatever. And then there's like you know, and we do this, and we use the extra special thing on your you know. You go through the machine, and that's twenty dollars. And then for for eighteen dollars, you can get the the diamond level, and then for it mm. was whatever. And then for fifteen dollars, it was like gold, and then <laughs> the lowest level was was called red. <laughs> so, so now we're always like, hey, we should go get a red car wash. It's like nine dollars. It's like we'll basically spray some water on your car. Can't guarantee it's gonna look any different. <laughs> it's like diamond, platinum, super gold, red. <laughs> I Not feel a like that's metal or anything. I thought it was going to be. <laughs> Might as well call it. I thought it was going to be something. Yeah, I thought it was going to be funnier than. Well, it is funnier than mine because I have the same. The car wash I go to is oh, a yeah. touchless one, and they have all the you know the the little the, the thing that goes around your car. It's like, it's like a you know it's like you're going to a friggin' dance club. You know, it's like all the fla- <laughs> the flashing lights, and I I expect them to be piping music through like. <laughs> no, the more money you done. spend, the more colorful they make those foam soaps they spray on. I think yeah. if you don't pay a lot, they're just like you're just getting white soap. But they're just like like diamond, platinum, ultra, and then basic. <laughs> Which, I mean, is not as funny as Red, but I like how everything has an exciting name, and then it's just, like, basic. Basic. You know? You're a basic car owner. Or, or Red. Red is, red is confusing, actually. It's, yeah, I don't, yeah. It's just basically, it's just there so that you won't get it, because you'd be too ashamed. Like, I gotta go with at least gold. Red is just not, red's not a thing. <laughs> hey, Red is my favorite color, damn it. So well, maybe, maybe you'd pay extra for it, or just do Red twice. I don't know. Yeah, well, still, the the nine dollar was good enough for me. I got off the Twix and the bird poop. So, so we've gotten a lot of comments lately uh, in various places about how you know, oh, they they talk about a bunch of bullcrap before they start talking. About, they're gonna love this episode. Um, well, too bad, but too bad, so sad. They got a little like fifteen to thirty second skip button, yeah. so you well, can just do it's that. always on YouTube, and I get it because on YouTube, I think you're looking for more of like a documentary experience or something. It's you know, podcasting mm. is not the same format, but for people who listen to podcasts. I don't think it's we don't really get many comments on that at all. But hey, check it out. Got my Skinnered Reconsidered shirt in today. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Like it. Very nice. Um, so I'm excited about that. Just uh sent the simple man a text with the with a, a a beefcake photo of me wearing the uh uh, Skinner, that should sell some shirts. Just put that on the website. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work for our shirts, but it might work for his. 
Um, I told you you should have gone with me as the model. Well, yeah. Well, send me a picture. Well, yours is kind of faded now. If anybody wants to, if there's anyone out there that's like, what we need is like somebody, some, we need a real model. So if there's anybody out there listening who wants to model our t-shirt and send us some pictures of it, hey, I'll send you a free shirt. There you go. <laughs> Assuming you're to see if you're a good model. <laughs> Some, well, actually, it would be even better if it was just some, like, some like slob <laughs> says, "Hey, give me a free shirt," and he's like crumbs all over it. I'd be like, "This is actually pretty good." <laughs> hey, I'd buy it. Um, so, anyway, folks, if you are wanting to support the Deep Purple podcast so that we can upgrade from the red car wash to the diamond car wash, <laughs> see, this is this is how how we uh, sacrifice ourselves for the show. We have to slum it with these these low level car washes. Um, well, you can, can do so a number deep of ways. Purple red, deep purple, deep yeah, purple yeah, at red. least move up to purple. <laughs> That'd be yeah, something. That's true. That was, you know, that was a rare color back in was it Roman times, right? It re- represented royalty. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we could use that. But you could support our show by leaving us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. Still looking for that one hundredth review, so we can send you a deep purple goodie bag. And I should note that, I mean. Uh, a lot of these reviews, I don't know who these people are, so I'm just counting on them listening to the show and then telling me. But I guess you could put your email in the review or, or contact us or, or say, hey, my name's so-and-so. I just wrote this review. Send us an email and we'll we'll do it that way or whatever. But, yeah, just something so we know it's you um, as we get closer here. Um, you can buy some merch at our Etsy stores I just mentioned. Uh, maybe some. Maybe there's a professional model that listens to our show. Um or they are, but they're like a hand model, so they just see like the hand, and <laughs> nothing else. Um, or they could, you know, uh, they could the model the new uh, deep purple jewelry. Yeah, line our new deep purple on. jewelry line. Well, actually, most of the times when I when you search for deep purple for some specific stuff, it comes up with like purple Christmas ornaments or purple jewelry. Like it, it doesn't mm. usually limit it to deep purple, but the band, I should say. Um, you can also become a patron on Patreon or on PayPal for as little as $1 a month. Help support the show. All the money goes back in the show. Helps us buy uh, albums like the one we're going to review today. Um, and, oh, well, assuming I didn't already have it. And um, also helps us uh, put money into the new computer fund so we can get a, a souped-up, smoking audio PC to start recording the show. And it actually... The length of our episodes takes forever to export these episodes, so it'd be nice to speed that process up too. But um, you can also donate on Cash App, dollar sign DPPOD, or support us on Kofi. Um, all right. So with that, it's time to thank our patrons, or at least thank the first group of patrons, I should say, um, in the list. And of course, that starts with none other than our executive level. And coming in at the 25, I'm sorry, coming in at the In Memoriam tier, we have the wonderful Gerald Kelly and his family. At the $25 Uncommon Man tier, we have Ovis Nakfi and Purple Maniac. At the 15 Squid tier, we have none other other than Alan. At the $10 Good Doctor tier, we have Mike Catan. Dr. Mike Catan, that is. He didn't spend seven years in medical school just to be called Mike. And at the Turn It Up to $11 tier, Clay Wambacher, Frank Thielgard Mortensen, Mickelstein, Will Porter, PhDPP. At the $10 Someone Came tier, Ryan M., Jeff Bryce, Victor Compost, Better Call Saul Evans, and Peter from Illinois. Then at the Hughes Oween by 2033 tier, we have Fielding Fowler. Hughes Oween by 2033. 
So since we um <laughs> since we've already done use a ween, I do think we need to modify that. <laughs> well, I I told you what I think it should be. Yes, that's true. Well, you, sort of, but for like another special version of it. Okay. Didn't you? Or did you tell me another? Oh, well, we'll talk offline. We don't want to give away yeah, the form here. Yeah, we don't want to ruin it. <laughs> we'll have a meeting. We'll have a big, a big uh, Deep Purple podcast meeting between mm-hmm. you and me and figure out what we're going to do next. All right. Um, okay. Well, thank you to all of you fine folks for supporting the show. And if you want to support or listen to any like-minded shows to ours, check out deepdivepodcastnetwork.com where all of our great brother and sister shows are there for you to support and listen to anything from bands ranging from Judas Priest to Skinner Reconsidered, as I just said, Black Sabbath, uh, Uriah Heep, Van Halen, Aerosmith, the list goes on. Iron Maiden, Ozzy, Tom Petty, I'm probably leaving out uh, 20 podcasts, but um, just off the top of the head. So thank you so much to all of those great shows. All right, John, are you ready to go bananas? Oh boy, that's like a new banana sound. <laughs> yeah. And or, you know, you yeah, know that's the my pro- crazy sound. Do you, do you, <clears throat> which way do you open the banana? From the top. You do with like the little stem? Yeah. Have you ever I know, tried? I know, I know. <laughs> I know, I know, right? Everyone always says that. I don't do it either. Like, yeah, I do, or you should open it from the bottom. What the, what's the difference? Well, it's, a, it's way easier. Okay. That's the way monkeys do it. People are like, ah, that's what, you know, people are like, you should do it that way. It's the way monkeys do it. They also fling their poo at each other. So I don't want to emulate monkeys 100%. Hmm. But um, it I is, mean, it does open way, way easier, which seems weird because the thing at the top looks like it's like a, like a pull tab, you know? Well, I mean, my bananas are always very ripe too. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, I like those, those new ones where they were like just green and they're still like a little bit green. That's, that's Ugh. too new for me. Nah, I like I them when they're getting like, they got the brown spots and everything and they're really getting mushy. That's, that's when I prefer. So it's very easy to open those ones. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, yeah. Sometimes like they'll be hanging there. If they, I leave them too long, they hang there. They just open on their own. <laughs> they just <laughs> little split and you're like, yeah, I guess I'm going to throw that away. Mm. The banana skin banana has been bread. breached. Or you make banana bread, throw them in a smoothie. Yep, exactly. Lots of lots of options with the, with those bananas. Mm-hmm. So, what's your history with bananas? Or is there? I think we kind of covered this last time. You probably don't have any history with bananas. Mm-mm. I don't. Uh, what do you know about the I album? Um, I mean, I know that it is um, from from our conversations, meaning uh, us, Rich, other friends, uh, that it's been a uh, uh, sometimes a unfairly maligned album. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, mostly because of the cover. Um, uh, but I know it's widely not considered one of Deep Purple's standout albums because um, it's a, I guess it's been said that it's a little bit of a departure in sound too, or maybe a progression of their sound that people weren't used to. So, um, and I mean, I also know it was Don Airy's first album. So um, I don't know if he did any writing on that, but I mean, that would have possibly have contributed but um, but yeah, I just know it's a um, it's considered um, for better or for worse an oddball in their catalog. So 
Yeah, and I guess we can get into that part in the, in the second part of the episode where we, or the second episode, I should say, where we talk about the reviews and stuff. Because I, I know I've seen a number of you know Deep Purple albums reviewed or ranked, and they they always do this with everything so that they can get clicks. But I'm looking at one right now, and yeah, the last last place bananas. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'd be interested to kind of look at those and see see where they fall and you know i've never done the in-depth analysis of this album obviously which is that's the point of today's episode and tomorrow and tomorrow next week's episode but uh yeah i uh, for me from my gut from just having listened to this album i always thought it was pretty interesting and good a nice experimental album not um not really worthy of the, the i think it gets a little unfairness because John Lord had just left, so there's that. Oh, now Richie and John Lord are gone. Oh, and all the people who've been complaining about Richie being gone for the past two albums had even more to be mm-hmm. grumpy about. And then it's just, you know, obviously we talked about the album cover, and we'll get really into that <laughs> a little bit later. Um, but yeah, again, not much. I had at this point, well, I guess more importantly, what were you, this, this album came out in what, 2003? What were you doing in 2003? Yeah, two the what two thousand three. Yeah, um, you know, let me see. Didn't I see them or did I see them in two thousand two? I can't even remember. I think you saw them on this tour. Um, possibly. Um, I want to say it was two thousand three. Oh Maybe it's two thousand four. I don't know. All right, so let me see. I have to find your ticket stub and send it to me. <laughs> well, it's around here somewhere. You had spiky um, hair, see. and you had you had met Dio fairly recently, or were going to meet him, or something, right? Right? Didn't you meet? Yeah, so I was twenty, late twenties, twenty seven, mid to late twenties. So all right. Um, yeah, I just live in life. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Um, not not listening, not actively listening to Deep Purple, although knowing that I went to a two thousand two two thousand three show. Um, and I know I'd probably said it before when we were talking about my lost ticket stubs versus <laughs> it was, um, most definitely through the influence of one of my friends at the time. And of course I, I didn't not like deep purple. I just wasn't interested in their new stuff at the time. So yeah. Well, who, who would have convinced you to go to see deep purple? Cause it seems like you'd be the person convincing somebody else. Probably Derek. Mm. Um, although there might, I mean, on that, on that bill, I think that there were, I, and I can't remember. Um, <laughs> you didn't even remember so, that you saw them. <laughs> no, but I mean, also you didn't prepare me for this freaking question. So it's like, I don't know if that was the one where. Uh, <laughs> prepare like, you, should I send you a, a, should I send you like a little, a little envelope, a little folder you can open up with like my business card on the bottom <laughs> and those little brackets so you can stick it in. And like, No, but I don't know who was on tour with them at this time before. Like, I know um, like Dio was an opening act, um, I think. Like there, there might've been an opening act or it might've been a bill where it was just like, Hey, we should go see. Cause around that time it was like, um, and I know that I saw them at great woods, which became the tweeter center, which became whatever the fuck it's called now. Yeah. What is um, it called now? Do we know? Does anybody know? Is it possible to know? I don't know. I don't know. Amazon.com arena who knows. <laughs> um, <laughs> They have, whatever, whatever is they have guaranteed rate field here. <laughs> X formerly known as Twitter Arena. Yeah. This is the um, residence have, at Great Woods. Is that? I feel like, no, I feel like that's going to be like. Oh, a, no, that's, that's a senior a living community. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it's a, it's a, it, it was a shed tour. It was an outside. Yeah. 
outside venue where, where my friends and I were seeing at that time, a lot of shows. And, um, and I know that we'd gone to see like, like Aerosmith, Jethro Tull's 25th anniversary, Grand Funk 25th anniversary at the time. So I think at that point, um, since we were all into um, classic rock, um, it was just, that was another, another band that it's like, Hey, let's, let's check it off the list. Yeah. And obviously I wasn't complaining because I'm like, Hey, I get to see Deep purple. And I, I just remember Gillen coming out. Like I had said before, he looked like he had just come back from vacation from the Bahamas. He was just wearing like all white. He was wearing like these white, yeah, just these white linen pants and a big, long white shirt. And it looked like he, you know, was, could have been holding a Mai Tai in one hand. That's just what I remember. I'm like, what the hell is up with Gillen? at the time I'm like, yeah, I why like, does he look like that i liked i liked that look oh do you hear that well i mean you hear, you hear that i think it's rich what's that what oh the xfinity center okay thank you thank you rich he was yelling at <laughs> he was yelling at us so now now we know xfinity yeah i mean i should have guessed it's like one of those corporate could have been anything yeah yeah but i mean yeah at the at the time i wasn't really much interested in what deep purple was doing um new music and of course, um, yes, we've talked about that. Big regret. Sorry. Let's move on. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> um, all right. So, yeah, like during this time, um, yeah, I had just, uh, Jen and I had been together for about a year at that point, I guess. And um, I had not yet moved to New York, so I was still living in Rhode Island. But, uh, yeah, I also didn't, um, I don't know what the hell else I was doing. I guess I just shut down my recording studio. So I was kind of in between... Uh, that and looking for other jobs, probably. But um, at this point, as far as John Lord, he'd been considering retiring from Deep Purple for quite a while. And I think in one of the interviews, Gillen even said it was kind of a relief when he finally retired because not that they wished him mm. any bad, but he's like he was kind. Of, he, they they felt like they could move forward because he was kind of he had been on the fence for a while. Um. So before he could even. 100% retire. He, he, he injured his knee in August of 2001 and he couldn't play live with the band. So they got Don Airy on super short notice and he filled in playing with the band. The first show, August 9th in Skanderberg, Denmark. It seems like ever all the, all these big firsts for deep purple in Denmark, you know, they played mm. their first ever show in Denmark. I think like the first Mark three show was in Denmark. I think the first, the first show with Don Airy was in Denmark. So big, big, uh, big historical place for Deep Purple. Um, so then, shortly after that, uh, you know, he decides to retire, and John and um, Don is asked to join the band full time. Um, they weren't able to do their full first, uh, their full farewell tour that they wanted to do with John because they all got sick. I think they got like the flu or something. Um, and then, so they did this. Uh, uh, the last full show that was all John Lord was at the Hammersmith Apollo on February 22nd, 2002. And then on September 19th, the final show with John Lord was uh, where he kind of traded off with Don Airy. Um, and he did the, did the keyboards alongside him before uh, before leaving. And that was his final goodbye to the fans. So very, everyone that's been there or was there said it was a very emotional performance, as you could imagine. Uh, Roger gave this official statement on the departure of John Lord. He said, I should inform you that John has told us he plans to retire from active participation in Deep Purple. We wish him the best. The moment cannot pass without a personal comment. It is sad that John has come to this difficult decision, but every one of us respects his right 
to determine his own life. I have learned so much from him that I could not possibly do him justice by attempting to quantify it. Don Airy will be our keyboard player from now on, and we welcome him to the band. Um, and then in the, um, I ordered the, the Bananas World Tour program, and it was late in arriving, so uh, the, the wonderful Jeff Bryce scanned his over to me, so it should be here in a few days. Um, but in that, there's a quote from Don Airy where he says, the thought crossed my mind a few years ago, if John retired, nah, they'd never ask me. So when they did, um, I jumped at the chance and it exceeded my expectations from the first number I played with them, Woman from Tokyo at the Kanderborg Festival in 2001. Touring Russia in the US last year was a highlight and recording the new album uh, at Royal Tone Studios LA in January of 2003, the sort of experience that I'd said goodbye to years ago, long may it continue. So then in April of that year, um, or, I'm sorry, previous to that, in April of 2002, Michael Bradford went to a Deep Purple show in Brighton. The band had kind of talked to him about possibly producing an album. So he went to check them out. And he said on his website, he said, incredible band. They sound as good as they did back when Smoke on the Water was a new song, which is back when I was a kid. Um, so immediately after it was announced that he was producing, they started to get some sort of like communication from the fans. So some fans were like, hey, welcome. Great to see you producing. And some fans were like, Meh, you, you produced, <laughs> you produced, um, well, he produced Kid Rock. So they were like, we're going to take the band into a rap direction. I was like, come on. Like, <laughs> can you imagine getting like Gillen to rap? Uh. I'd actually, kind of. That would be great. If, it's like, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And he just comes out like the album opens like that. That would be awesome. And you just they just kick into a groove and he just starts spitting some, some verses <laughs> as the rappers do. Um, but yeah, oh. needless to say, that did not happen. Um, yeah, so so his, his, uh, he, uh, Okay, so he responded to the fans. He said, you can be assured that I will take this opportunity to work with them as the privilege that it is and do my best to help Deep Purple make a great record. Just good, solid rock with great playing and singing. And there will be no rapping or scratching of any kind. So you can put that little thought out of your mind. Scratching. Like, like I like the fact he reproduces like, like a couple of rap acts and they're like, oh, you're just going to make everyone rap. Like Celine Dion approaches them. Could, could you record my album? <laughs> yeah, but you're going to be rapping, all right? Understand? Like, it's just ridiculous. Ridiculous. Um, yeah, that would be great if they tried to tried to cash in on that early two thousands like rap metal thing. <laughs> oh God! Um, yeah, that was make for an entertaining mm. episode. Mm. Um, so the band uh, booked three weeks in December and six weeks in January to work on the album. Uh, Roger said of the sessions, "What about Deep Purple music? I'm smiling. Is that enough?" Michael is a joy to work with. Professional, witty, quick, decisive, nurturing, and hungry. He has a great appetite. I'm in awe of the guy. He's an excellent player and writer and does all his own engineering. He runs the computer and laughs a lot. He and the band have a genuine mutual respect. Uh, so, yeah, so they talk a little bit about it. And then when this album, well, I guess I'll kind of save that for later because there's, there's a good uh, good bit about the. Um, yeah, there's a, a little article about the about the album when it was coming out. And then Michael Bradford said, um, you know, in the studio, I like to keep things moving. The band came to record a rhythm track each day. Ian would come in uh, the following morning and we'd do the vocals before the band arrived to cut the next rhythm track. Ian would do a guide vocal during the recording of the rhythm track. That way we could uh, we cut a song a day. 
After about two weeks of basic tracking, mm. we could concentrate on overdubs, solos, and fixes. The only rule was to keep moving, so self-doubt would not have a chance to creep in. If you give a band too much free time in the studio, they overanalyze things, and they, do, they undo a lot of good ideas in an attempt to make them better. Mm. So, good philosophy. Um, so, yeah, so that takes us to the lineup on the album. Well, you know the lineup. We've covered them all ad nauseum. Uh, the only newbie is uh, Don Airy, but we've probably mentioned him on, I don't know, at least 150 episodes um, and just, just did a full episode about his background. So go check out our last episode. If you, if you for some reason listening to this episode of the Deep Purple Podcast and don't know Don Airy, check out our previous episode. All right. As previously stated on technical, we got Michael Bradford. He worked with Madonna, Anita Baker, Kid Rock, Uncle Cracker, Beth Hart. Strong ties to the Detroit, Michigan scene. He also played bass on Ringo Starr's Why Not album, along with another lesser known bass player named Paul McCartney. Um, <laughs> other uh, engineer assistant, Chris Wanzer. Um, he worked with Christina Aguilera, Alanis Morissette, Lisa Marie Presley, and the Bare Naked Ladies. So kind of a little bit of a, a varied uh, group of artists there. And uh, yeah, that's it. Now the kind of the, the big the big thing to discuss. And this is where people can say, man, you've been talking for 30 minutes and you're only on the album art. Well, welcome, yep. to, the, welcome to the Deep Purple podcast. <laughs> yep. That, Deal with it. And actually, that's quick for us. <laughs> Sometimes it's usually 45 minutes. Yeah. But given that this is bananas, um, uh, I think we're probably going to spend a fair amount of time talking about the album art because there's a lot to talk about. Um, so here we go. Here is the cover of Bananas. Um, John, what do you... I mean, we've, we've probably talked about it 20 times on the on the show already, but what do you think of this album cover? Uh, I mean, <laughs> all right. I think that says um, it all. Yeah, it's it's weird. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I I almost feel like it was like it was Ian Gillen's idea. That's mm. how you know what I mean. That's it's how like weird it is. <laughs> yeah, he's had so many unusual ideas over the years. I, I just like every time I see this, I'm like, I always feel like this. Like Gillen probably pitched this. You know, uh, I'm probably maybe I'm wrong, but. Um, well, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I get it's very literal. Um, it's kind of uh, I don't know. It doesn't re- doesn't represent uh, anything about Deep Purple. I don't get it. Um, I mean, I also really don't think that any of their albums once I've never really truly loved one of their album covers since they reformed in the eighties. Like Perfect mm. Strangers was good in its simplicity, but Every other one, I've just kind of been like, eh. So, I mean, this is kind of no different. Like, their album covers, um, like, from here on out, we're just kind of like, okay, whatever. I wonder who these guys are, and they must know that they were on this album cover. Like, Well, I'm sure they had to get, you know... um, yeah, they probably had to some some kind of permission or, or consent. But um, yeah, yeah to, we should very, try to track um, them down for a bonus episode. <laughs> Yeah, so I don't know, like, uh, I'm, I'm sure that you know through, you know, uh, research and whatnot, like, what's, what's this all about and why they settled on it or, or whatever, but it's kind of like, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's unusual. Well, it, the, Giannis did the uh, art direction and the design of the album cover, which 
I mean, well, for I mean, I think for the booklet and stuff, there's a lot that went into it. For the album cover, it's it's really. I'm trying to think if there's another Deep Purple album that's. I guess the only other one I can think of that's just a photo is Concerto, but it's a photo of them in the Albert Hall. This has got to be the only one that's like a photo, just just a plain photo of some people that have no connection to Deep Purple. Um, and really, it's not modified in any way. It's just the little orange band at the top that says bananas. And the, the deep purple logo of the day with that they <laughs> who knows if they how long they reused that or if they reused it. Um, and that's pretty much it. Some guys sitting on a big, a big truckload of bananas. Sitting between and betwixt them. Yep. That's, that's pretty much it. And presumably uh, had a hand in the harvesting of them. They look like probably the, the farm farmers that go off to the go off to the, the trees and slice them down. You can see those big uh, cuts in the, in the, those little stalks that hold all the banana bunches together. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much what you see. So this album, this album cover got a lot of flack at the time and still does. Um, Giannis, like I said, previously did the abandoned album cover and his, I, I would assume his relative brother, maybe George, um, has the last same name as him, which I'm going to butcher, which is Vasilopoulos. Um, he only has this and one other credit, which is the single for Haunted. So maybe he worked together with him on this. And he did a bunch of other album covers, though. Giannis, he did uh, covers for Voivod, Bang Tango, Dream Theater, Extreme. I think he did the uh, Three Sides to Every Story album cover. So um, definitely got a lot of uh, history of album covers. Uh, photography... I guess on the inside, I don't think this particularly is by Finn Costello, a longtime rock photographer and particularly with Deep Purple and uh, uh, Bill Homdell, which I couldn't find any other credits for him or anything else. So, um, uh, so it's, it's, this is what they have to say about it. in the run up to Liverpool. Uh, Pop's live show, an interview with Roger Glover, appeared at the Liverpool Daily Post in which he talks about the naming of the band's new album. He says, About three years ago, we were on a plane from Australia and looking through the Sunday papers. I was looking for a travel feature about Vietnam, and there was a picture of someone on a bike which was covered in bananas. I turned to Ian Gillen and said, Wouldn't that be a great picture for the front of the album? We could call it Bananas. <laughs> then, to my surprise, he was saying, Yeah, that's a great idea. That's where that's where that came from. We've got the picture mm -hmm. now, so you'll have to just wait and see what happens. Um, and then, obviously, that we'll see that picture later. But that's not the picture that made the front of the album. Um, in an interview with James Ellis for the Metro in 2003, Ian Gillen said this. Uh, he was asked why bananas, and he says the same thing about this Vietnamese uh, guy uh, wheeling some bicycles. He said he'd had an absolute mountain of bananas. The picture was very evocative. It said to me, exploitation, exploitation, exploitation. I don't know why. He probably wasn't being exploited. My train of thought then shifted to, hmm, probably none of those bananas will find uh, its way to the EU. What do we get? Chiquita? Mmm, yummy. Then I started researching EU regulations that are prescribed by the idiocracy, saying what size of bananas were allowed to eat and how much bend they must have. I thought, who are the only people who can fulfill these requirements? And the answer is those who deal in genetically controlled foods. And so really, the only bananas we get are gray, rubbery, seedless, and infertile. And my mind started twisting onto other things. I'm thinking of my freedoms being eroded. 
and I am so completely, totally anti-EU and anti-Euro, and you can see the train of thought that goes on and on. I'm not anti-European, of course. I've got friends in every country, and I adore the culture. I respect the vive la différence. But the rules aren't what uh, the Treaty of Rome was about. I have chosen to use it as an ideogram, as a cheap trick. Bananas means we're all crazy. Ha, ha, ha. It started off with that, but develops into many things. So, there's a long story about how uh, Ian Gillen thought about it. And I, I guess I always kind of tied it. I remember reading something like that from him like a while back. Um, so I kind of, I would kind of tied it into like, oh, like banana, like bananas have to have a certain amount of bend and a certain amount of this and that. So kind of calling the whole system, bana- it's bananas that we have to act this way, you know, so it's kind of like a weird double end- weird concept for an album <laughs> that doesn't ha- seem to be very like, um, I don't know. I guess we'll, we'll as we get yeah. into the songs, we'll, it's not like it's an album like a Roger Waters album that's railing against um, whatever the norms and the bureaucracy and all that. It's just kind of a a normal Deep Purple album in some respects. All right. Um, so well, so where did the picture come from? Well, um, I I don't know if it came from the same. Thing, or if it was like a different shoot they got, or if it was these same guys. I guess we'll look as we get through the booklet here. But then there was a um, a, a little post in the Associated Press. Deep Purple album title gets criticized. New York. I love they have to start with a city. New York. This is where the people are getting outraged. Deep Purple fans are going bananas over the title of the new album. Guitarist Steve Morse writes on his website that the album is titled Bananas. He says some deep-rooted fans, I don't know if that's a joke, are up in arms but actually asking for them to change the title. He says the title comes from Ian Gillen commenting in his proper English accent that Morse had gone bananas with an instrumental exchange with keyboardist Don Airy. Morse says anything that makes the band laugh usually sticks. However, Morse says Deep Purple bassist Roger Glover claims the title came from a photo of a skinny guy riding a bike loaded with hundreds of bananas. They thought it was funny. Either way, Morse says everyone in the group is happy with the album and has a variety of material on it and two guitar-oriented instrumentals. Morse is also pleased that reviewers have been receiving the new album well so far. Bananas is due in August. So, that's... More of that normal toxic fan culture. Like imagine that, like hearing the title of an album, it's like boo, change it. Like you're just like getting in contact with the album. You've got to change it. You can't let it come out. It's like you'll get used to it, guys. I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not. I don't know. It, it, you know, it's not gonna. I don't know. Just I, I don't get it. I remember, do you remember when the Nintendo Wii came out and like they first announced that their new system is going to be called the Wii? Everyone was like, that's the stupidest name we've ever heard. And then like a month later, everyone's like, oh yeah, I can't wait to get the Wii. And it's like, those things are so short lived, you know, whatever like the name of something is, no matter how dumb or stupid it is, like people just immediately forget it. And then just, if they like it, they like it and they start talking about it and it's not like a big deal anymore. Or what if, like, they called it Deep Purple Bananas and they had a, a picture of the band with on, with straight jackets on or something? Yeah, right. right? Or wearing banana that costumes. <laughs> but, I mean, the, the point being is that if it wasn't this and it was something else and they that was, um, I don't know, say less memorable and Ooh. they still called it Bananas, would everybody have been like, boo, no bananas? It'd be like, did you ever see... Um, uh, Oh, the, the a mighty wind. No, 
Um, there's a, there's, there's a, it's a great movie by, um, uh, you know, the spinal, all the, all the, it's all the same people from Spinal Tap and Waiting for Godot and Best in Show and all those, that, that whole crew. Um, and there's an album cover where Eugene, Eugene Levy plays like this, like, uh, uh, the folk singer and one of his album covers is called albums is called cry for help and they show him and he's in a straight jacket in like a padded room <laughs> like looking all <laughs> pathetic um that's what that's what i thought of when i thought of five eugene levies in a room anyway um all right so before we get into the actual songs imagine that um oh wait before that we got to just quickly go through the booklet here so there's a picture of uh, like the guys just kind of all standing around Ian Pace and Roger Glover and like some desk chairs or like wheeled desk chairs for some reason. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think this is the back. Let me see. Is this the back CD? Oh, my back CD tray is different, but it might've been a different release. Um, it looks like the back CD tray. Um, Ian Gillen's got like a little, he's got kind of like a cowboy jacket on. He's got some fringe on it. It looks like the jacket that Marty McFly wears when he, when he gets dressed up in the fifties to go back to like the 1800s. Doc <laughs> Brown puts him in like this ridiculous cowboy uh, costume. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's the back, the song listing, that's the CD. And then you've got some a pretty good, a lot of great pictures here of the band, uh, and the lyrics sheet. Um, Deep Purple. There's like the band, it looks like with two like, I don't know, pilots or flight attendants or whatever they are, but um, it's only, who's missing? Steve Morris isn't in that photo, but the rest of the guys are just hanging out with these uh, airline employees of some sort. There they are, uh, I don't know, probably on some tour somewhere. Picture of Roger, picture of a crowd, some good shots of them with, there's a shot of them with Dio. There's another shot of them with some other fans, it looks like. There's Ian Gillen with what looks like a children's choir of some sort. And there's somebody holding up a sign that says, Gillen is God, and in Morse we trust. Somebody embracing uh -huh. the, the new lineup. Um, then we've got a picture of somebody on the street selling bananas and looks like eating a watermelon. And then it's like a train station. There's some bananas on a thing. And where's that picture? Oh, there's the picture. That's the picture of the guy with this... What are they? What are they? One of those bicycle, like passenger bicycles, just absolutely filled with green bananas. See, now that would I think that would have been a cooler cover. Yeah. And plus, you have the there's like there's like a couple of it looks like purple bananas in there, as well as like a purple sack at the end, which would have tied in with deep purple. That was a purple sack, a purple ditty bag of sorts, mm, as it were. I think the purple yeah. is just where they cut the stalks or something and kind of see well, still i think that the um kind of the the colors that were weaving in and out of there plus that being the original picture uh that inspired the title if the story is correct that yeah. would have been a better album cover yeah probably because it just it seems like these well yeah there's a better shot of the back cover there the guys the guys getting the picture taken of them look mildly uncomfortable <laughs> they're just like why are you taking our picture yeah, pretty much. Well, especially that guy on the left. He's just kind of like, all right. Well, you've been putting us on a rock album, whatever. Um, Hurry up so we can keep picking bananas. We keep, keep, we got to get back out there. Um, all right. So that's, that's the artwork. Um, and then, uh, like I said, we'll get into the, get into the music. But first, we must do something. And that is, of course, to thank 
our amazing core level patrons who help and support us every show. Coming in at the $7.71, 77 cents. Sorry to shortchange you guys. Uh, keep it warm right here. We have Michael Vader at the $6.99 new nice price tier. We have Spike the Rock Cat and Sugar Tea. At the episode $6.66 tier, Steve Coldwell and Arthur Smith. Getting support from the patron Arthur Smith. Anton Glaving and Charles Meadows. At the $6.65 almost evil tier, we have Kenny Wymore, Michael Bagford, and Richie Sucksmith. And at the $5.99 the nice price tier, we have Robert Smith, P. Uh, Rob, sorry, just Robert Smith and Carl Helberg. And then at the 60 Kroner Scandinavian Knights tier, we have Newt Morton Johansson. At the $5.55 What's Going On Here tier, we have Richard Fusey. And at the $5 Moneylender tier, John Convery, German Heigel, Adrian Heigel, Adrian Hernandez, Jesper Elman, Alexi the Perfect Stranger Slepikoff, Kev Roberts, Percival Frequency, Scott Zerns, Cynthia Doobie, Raf Calf, and Coyote Bongwater. Ooh, thank you to all of you for your great support of the Deep Purple Podcast. All right. What do you say, John? Are we ready to are we ready to do this? Well, I mean, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's go bananas. <laughs> See what he did there. Um, all right. Here we go. Bananas 2003. First track up is House of Pain. I've heard this song an, an uncomfortable number of times because have you, ever had a woman that could make you have you ever had that thing where you like we sync up to your phone and like it goes in alphabetical order whatever the first song is uh, yes yep. well that was this for a while <laughs> So somebody told me that you should you should name a song like A A A A A A and put it on. It's just like 20, sec, 20 minutes of silence or whatever, and just put that on your phone to avoid that. Hmm. But I'm too lazy to do that. Oh, why is this song called House of Pain? Because they had a rap producer, and that's a rap group, isn't it? <laughs> it's a rap reference. At Bagford, he's, he's taking them in a rap direction on this album. You can hear it already. I like how they introduced this right away in the first song to kind of show Don't them that Don yeah, that guitar and organ dynamic will remain. Mm-hmm. 
I love the uh, love the cowbell. It's pretty good. Yeah, I like it's got the, a really uh, uh, throwback roots kind of feel to it. Yeah, just all about like ah, I'm got a woman that's driving me crazy. But even just like musically, yeah. Like this, it kind of has that bluesy rock roots type of like feel to the uh, to the song. And a short album opener, only three and a half minutes. It reminds me of like in the tradition of like something like Coming Home, where it's just like we're not putting this epic thing to, be, to begin the album. We're just putting a good solid rocker. A rare uh, harmonica from Gillen there. So he's saying, like, my friends all say I'm crazy, I'm going back there again, and then I run away. So, like, I don't know if he's like, is he talking about going back home? Going to see the going to see the wife and then coming back. But well, I mean, I don't. I've never got the impression that that was a house of pain. It seemed like they had a good relationship. Um, but yeah. I don't know. Or maybe it's just a. Maybe it's not autobiographical. Maybe it's just kind of one of those, you know, being hard yeah. done by by a woman thing. I mean, you can't go wrong with that as a trope for a song. All right, John. What do you think of House of Pain? Ooh, they were a good rap group. I don't know. <laughs> um, was that a was that a rap group? Yeah, or was, was that it like, like a name uh, of you a, know, um, an yeah, album by you know, a rapper? I'm here, to, I'm here to drop bombs. <laughs> you know, um, House of Pain. What's, yeah. What was the song? You jump around, jump around, jump around, get up oh, yeah. and get down. Word to your mom. Gotcha. I'm here to drop bombs. <laughs> Word to your mom. He <laughs> he mixed it up already. Even that early on, he mixed up the uh, you know word to your mom instead of word to your mother. Took it in a mm-hmm. new direction. All right, well, uh, spreadsheet's giving me a little shit. Oh, boy, he's fumbling already, folks. It's going to be a long two episodes. Mm -hmm. There we go. Um, So, um, yeah, I thought it was pretty pretty good. I'll give it a 3.5. I think it was a a good opener. Um, You're adding rows to the sheet here. I just deleted it. No, I didn't. Yeah. No, I didn't. Well, I just deleted it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Anyways, um, it was an accident. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, so I thought um, I thought it was a, um, I would say an average to good Deep Purple song, like good opener for this uh, for this album. Like I said, the the uh, the melody kind of had a uh, a bit of a throwback uh, kind of bluesy quality to it. Um, I thought the band sounded good. I thought mm-hmm. it was uh, pretty well produced. Uh, again, Morse's tone, especially on this solo, the opening riff and the solo were pretty distinct. Um, uh, loved Don Airy in there. Um, I mean, if if you were a casual Deep Purple fan and you didn't know, you would just be like, oh, okay, there's a keyboard solo. But I mean, you could tell the difference. I think if you're a John Lord fan or Don Airy fan, you could tell it's Don Airy. Mm-hmm. Um but I mean, it's good. He fits in, um, and um, I like yeah, I like the um, 
I just, I like the, uh, I liked it as an opener. Uh, like you said, nice and short and sweet and uh, trying, just trying to ignore the album cover while it's playing. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, just a little, maybe a little bit short of a four. Um, I don't know why. Yeah. I, I would say the you same know, thing. I, I say 3.5 yeah. as well. Uh, this one was written by uh, everything on this Albums written by everybody in the band except for a few. This one is written by Gillen and the producer, Michael Bradford. So mm-hmm. um, there's a lot. Uh, our good friend Trinkle Bonker, Michael Erickson, uh, put an interview up on his site from when he interviewed Michael Bradford, I, I think in 2003. And he, he has quotes on a lot of the, the songs. Uh, and he says of this one, it's just a blues-based rock song about having a lover who is hard to live with, but you can't leave because the lovemaking is so good. I like that. House of pain. <laughs> House of something else. I have a lot of friends who cannot quite break up with someone. Maybe they are afraid, maybe they do not want to be lonely, and maybe they just like a twisted mess. This is exciting for some people. I am not one of them. And then uh, Gil and Roger do backing vocals on that track, and he says that after mixing was done, I thought that starting the album with a big guitar riff and Ian screaming would be a great way to say, wake up everybody, we're back. So there you go. House of Pain. House of Nookie. House of Nookie. <laughs> House of Whoopie. <laughs> um, okay, so the next track up is called uh, Sun Goes Down. Let's check it out. I'm on the wrong thing here. Sun Goes Down. Strong organ opener. Nice. I like almost sounds like the battle rages on a little bit, the way the drums come in. That's pretty heavy. And it's got that weird discordant chord in there too that's You know, this, I don't know why, but it just makes me think like, this sounds like an Ozzy song from Bark at the Moon era. Like, I don't know, could you picture like Ozzy singing this? That's that's just the impression I I get. I can hear it. It's got that kind of, it's got like a creepiness to it. Yeah, especially this part right here. It almost sounds a little bit more like No More Tears error. It's rocks, though. I like it. Yeah. Got a strong riff. And a nice little 
secondary riff here. Sounds like an earlier version of the Throw My Bone solo. And Bradford says in one of these interviews, I don't know, maybe I even have it in here to read later, but that he had to slow Steve Morse down because he basically, he, he would do a solo 500 times if you wanted him to. So he, would, he had to kind of be like, okay, that's good. <laughs> you can stop now. So. The line's so long, it's almost Disney. <laughs> and then won't somebody oh, kiss? Won't somebody kiss me? <laughs> so oh, weird. Gillen! Oh, Gillen, you card! Organ is a little lost on this one at this point anyway, but maybe that was intentional. quick fade out but not a super long song at all only about four minutes what do you think about that one you know i'm gonna i'm gonna give that one a four all right uh that was pretty uh that was pretty heavy um i would say it's uh, i'd say it's different for deep purple but i guess going springing ahead into the future and knowing mm. some of the stuff that they're they they're you know been doing um it's not it's not really a surprise. I mean, especially at that stage of the game and going forward, the experimenting musically is not going to be different, especially like at that point, they've been in the business for a while. So, you know, you want to, but I mean, it's, um, I don't think it's like wildly different. You know what I mean? Like it's not, um, it, it's not like a style or something like that that we're not used to. I think it's just, it's very heavy. It was kind of uh, like you said, almost like a, like an unnerving uh, mm -hmm. sounding chorus, like maybe something a little more evil or creepy than we would hear from them. But I mean, I think that, um, you know, really, um, I don't know. It was, it was, um, it was different, but it was good. I would, and you know me, I like heavy too. And I think the the keyboards weren't that lost. I think they were just part of like the overall kind of a tapestry of music. Like, I don't think that they were that out front. I think they were just kind of like mixed in to like build a bigger sound in there. I think it was just a solo at the end. Like I didn't think during the main song it was, but at the end it was a little yeah. bit. And one of the, the conventional wisdom around this album is like, oh, the production is terrible. They should have do a re, uh, you know, they need to re-release this one with a remix. And I'm like, I've, I'm like, there's, so. there's a lot of those things you walk into that I'm just like, I don't know what you're talking about. It sounds good to me. <laughs> like, and I'm, I'm not exactly like, you know, an 
audio, like, like Mr. Like audio file or whatever, like everything has to be perfect, but I can recognize when production is lacking and I've never understood the, I don't know if it's just one of those things where everything spiraled or they, Oh, we don't like the John Lord's not in it. We don't like that. Richie's not there. We don't like the album cover. We don't like the album name there. We're going to find anything we can to poke holes at this album. Um, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not hearing it. I, I think I think it's produced very well. It sounds really good. No, yeah, I think so. Um, I give the song a three point five. I like it, I, and like like you said, it's a um, uh, it, 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 in a way, it's like it's at the time it might have been something a little newer. Although they got into kind of this territory a bit, maybe more in perpendicular, where they threw in some stuff that was a little bit more out there musically. Um, but yeah, this is something we'll hear recurred with this lineup through throughout all of their album releases. It's, it 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 may have been a little newer at this point, but yeah, it's territory they're gonna uh, go into again for sure. Um, of this song, Michael Bradford said uh, that that one was developed in rehearsal. Steve comes up with some great riffs. The band really wrote that one as a team. It was the first song where we did background vocals on the chorus that we knew uh, would not be doable live. But that is why albums are different. The song had a lot of great parts. It was a matter of putting them in the right sequence. Uh, Don, and he says, Don's solo at the end of Sun Goes Down is a killer. So I agree. Although I think it's a yes. little little low in the mix. But um, all right. And then, um, yeah, next up, we got um, something that definitely is going to be a little bit of a departure because this one has... Um, this one has strings arranged by Paul Buckmaster, who also plays the cello on it, and backing vocals by Beth Hart. So here we go. Um, definitely not your typical Deep Purple song, but we'll, we'll get into it in a bit. Haunted. And you've played this one before. Yeah, I think we did this right? on our... Who did it better episode, I think. Here goes Michael Bradford uh, pushing them in that rap direction again. I think these strings are really well done here. I like the verses. And I like how he sings during the verses. It's almost like I wonder what the breakdown of writing was on this. It seemed... There's Beth Hart. It sounds like it's got some heavy Glover isms in there. It's 
Like you can almost see an animated frog singing this in the butterfly ball. It's a great solo. Classic uh, Morsisms there. <laughs> I gotta learn how to play that at one fourth speed. I wonder if the same people that were worried about the rap, the rap, deep rap in purple, <laughs> were going to be hearing this and be like, they'll probably still be mad, even though this is like the farthest thing from a rap song. They'd be like, it's too soft for deep purple. You know, they'd probably Bring find something. Bring on the rapping granny. <laughs> the rapping bananas. We need like a, a banana with like a, like gold chains. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, I could, I could, I could hear that. Now that you said it sounded like it had a Roger influence on the way out, I could. Yeah, I could, I could kind of see like, it being a. In my head, I'm just like little chalk blue. Yeah, oh yeah, good call. Do a mashup. So kind of, kind of that little, uh, you know, similar melody. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, I I could see it being kind of fitting. And the only thing that would make it different is just doesn't have that. 70s Glover production on it, but I think mm. if he had recorded the same song in the 70s, it would have probably been indistinguishable from uh, anything on the Butterfly Ball. Or he could have just had Beth Hart sing the whole thing to you know have a have a different perspective or a different singer. Anyway, what do you think of Haunted? So I'm I'm already I'm starting to like this album already. I don't yeah. know why it's uh why it's considered such an oddball maybe i'll be proved wrong later but i give this one a four yeah um i think it was a beautiful ballad mm -hmm. um i mean we already established that it's it's got a good musical structure probably probably due mostly to roger we'll we'll guess um i think gillen's vocals are great throughout like mm -hmm. if he he has the ability to sing like a, a verse like instead of singing it straight you can tell that he's really putting emotion into it yeah um because, uh, I mean, and, you know, there are some times where you can be like, okay, he's just kind of, it's kind of like, all right, here's the song of the day. Let's get through it. And I feel like he really put something into this. And um, the solo was in in the best possible way, I think, unnecessarily heavy, which I really liked about it. Like, it was really, like, overdriven, like, yeah. for this kind of song. It's just like, 
it's just kind of got this mellow feel and obviously you're like yeah yeah you know but it's it sounds so good like i just love morris's tone yeah and yeah. his playing you know and for, it, for it newcomers like really to the show if john's and, calls something unnecessarily heavy that's a good thing <laughs> yes um yeah it, it was just so it was so up in the mix and it was so melodic and um i i think it still fit um i really i thought it was a really good interesting ballad i like the the addition of um, a, another vocalist who was not uh, Gillen doing the uh, the background, which I don't think that we've really heard that before, at least on Deep Purple album. No, like just a few times in the years there'd been like backing vocals, but actually I don't even know on the albums how much. It's usually just Gillen backing himself, but yeah, it was cool. It was refreshing to hear that, and um, I, I always thought that was a really cool move. And it, yeah, nice addition. Yeah. Um, yeah, I also give this one a four. I always really like the song. Thinks it, think it's a really nice, um, yeah, it's a beautiful song. Like you said, um, of this song, Michael Bradford, Bradford. I, I feel like I feel like I'm saying Bradford, but it sounds like Bragford. But it's it is. I'm saying Bradford, folks. Maybe it's just because I got like a little slap back delay on this mic, so maybe I'm just hearing it wrong. Um, Michael Bragford, uh, where are you? Okay, here. So Haunted, he says, they were concerned that maybe their hard rock fans would not like Haunted. I do not think that it's commercial sounding because nothing on the radio sounds like it. If they were trying to sound commercial, they could have tried to imitate uh, Linkin Park or New Metal Band. Mm. Haunted is actually a throwback to a more 60s British soul music sound, probably more akin to Procol Harum or Spencer Davis or Traffic than anything going on today. They were not really worried about formula because they have been together so long. They made so many albums... Like I said before, they have always had more versatile. Um, they've always been more versatile than people realize. Roger had the basic idea, and he played it for Ian and me. We had very basic demo at my studio, and Ian took the CD home to write most of the lyrics. Ian and Roger worked the lyrics out, and they presented it to the rest of the band. It took its final shape at rehearsals. I made other mixes uh, of it because of radio. I knew that for the single, it'd be best chance we would need. A few different versions. A pop station would want a little less guitar. Rock station would not necessarily want the string section. The version of the album is the one that the band wanted. One, we were not afraid to put vocal layers on that they could not do live, so he had more harmonies than normal. Also, Ian had his own vocal studio within the main studio that was set up very comfortably for him. Once he was in his own world, he sang great because he was relaxed and at ease. Also, we cut vocals when the band was not there to avoid uncomfortable feeling of having your bandmates listening to your every breath. The voice is the most delicate instrument. A relaxed singer is a happy singer. So sounding very deliberate in True. how he's going through the production, you know, it sounds like it from everything yeah. that they talk about with him. It sounds like he was a really great producer to work with. So. Yeah. A lot of thought went into it. I think it's, um, yeah, it shows so far. Yep. All right. The next song up always makes me laugh, and I'll, I'll get into it afterwards. But uh, just just when I hear the title of it, really, not the song itself. But the song is called Razzle Dazzle. This reminds me of a song of a song that you wrote. Oh yes, I know <laughs> exactly it? which one. Yep. <laughs> You wrote it first, wow. though, so you should sue. Yeah. Yeah, this 20-year-old song, I'm going to get some residuals. <laughs> yeah, I think you have to prove that they stole it from you, which would be a little harder. 
And also, we stole enough from them that I feel like they could probably steal a little from us. <laughs> True. I don't know. I, I, I like the kind of just bouncy driving nature of this song. It's just fun, you know? It is. <laughs> it was like that. <laughs> I don't know why that cracks me up. Nice piano solo. I, I feel like that could have been a little more ballsy in the mix. Yeah, like a little more up. Yeah. Want some of that ballsy honky-tonk piano. Like yeah, I want a ballsy, I want a heavy honky tonk piano. You want to cut through like an elf album. And that, folks, is Razzle Dazzle from the band Deep Purple. Ooh. All right. What do you think about Razzle Dazzle? Are you razzled? Are you dazzled? Are you both? Neither? Yeah. Um, well, I hate to say it because I was hoping because of the, the title and uh, I've, heard, I've heard you and Rich talk about it a little bit before. I, I was like, oh, maybe it'll be pretty good. I, I thought it was I thought it was average. I'll give it a two point five. All right, John is neither I, razzled nor dazzled. Yeah, even though it sounds like a song that I once wrote, maybe that's why I don't like. It. <laughs> <laughs> what would I'm you give the song that you wrote that sounds the same? A five. Two point five. Two point five. I mean, I, I also wrote it when I was like what twenty or something like that. So it's, I'm younger than that, right? Yeah, but um, but yeah, I, I thought that um. I don't know. I just, yeah, I thought it was just kind of average. Um, uh, didn't really stand out. It just sounded kind of like album filler. Um, chorus didn't really grab me. And um, I mean, I like the the addition of the the uh, the piano solo, but 
like I had mentioned after that, it sounded a little thin and a little down in the mix. So mm-hmm. that, you know, but even if they brought it up and kind of made it a little more prominent, I don't know if that would have helped because I think the song in general just didn't really hit me that hard. So, all right. Um, I'm going to give it a four. I really like this one. I think it's like, uh, I don't know, just a fun upbeat. <laughs> John is doing surprise poses. <laughs> Take some screenshots so we can use them for album art here. Um, Jesus. <laughs> always on my ass about the album. Always like five art. years. You haven't sent me any new pictures. <laughs> John's like, ah, you keep using the same pictures of me. I'm like, well, what other pictures am I supposed to use other than the ones you sent me in 2019? <laughs> well, wait a minute now. I was like, uh, first of all, you, you said that the other day and I wasn't even complaining about it. You're just like, you know what I need just out of nowhere. And I was like, well, you said, you know what I need out of nowhere. And I was like, I don't know, more cowbell. Like what? <laughs> And nope. you're like, more pictures of you. And I'm like, I thought maybe some spicy ones. You want me to? <laughs> yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't asking for nudes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, otherwise, uh, Jen would have a lot of questions. Yeah, well, she'd probably just be like, oh, those freaking guys. <laughs> she never usually. Probably just When it comes to anything stupid I ask her to do for the show, she usually doesn't have any questions. She's like, wait, what do I got to do? Okay, I'll take this picture of you holding whatever. And okay, now, can I go about my day now? <laughs> just, you know, walk, walks down, sees the spicy pictures, rolls her eyes, shakes her head, <laughs> sees and just my walks phone, away. My phone brimming over with dick pics. She's just like, oh, you crazy guys. <laughs> <laughs> what is this, the Dick Purple podcast now? Yeah, yeah, yeah Dick Pimple, yeah. That's for the Dick Pimple episode. Um, okay, um, yeah, so of this song Michael so first of all Michael Bradford says I also love the honky tonk piano on Razzle Dazzle I think he made a conscious effort not to just play organ that was a wise choice because that's what made his sound different from Lord's I did not have to coach him great musicians do not need coaching just a little editing and then one of the reason I always laugh when I think of the song is that there was an article a few years ago um in um what what was it from? It's from um, Far Out Magazine. And they, you know, it's one of those things like Deep Purple or uh, Deep Purple's Ian Gillen ranks his top five songs of all time that like he loves and that influence him. So his songs that he picked for this list and he goes into like a little bit of a, a breakdown on each one of the songs. So he says um, Long Tall Sally by Little Richard, uh, Good Vibrations by the Beach Boys. I Only Want to Be With You by Dusty Springfield. And then he says Razzle Dazzle by Deep Purple. <laughs> okay. And for some reason, I was because I know he's being a wise ass. Like, it's just hilarious to. And the way they report it in the article is kind of like, um, uh, they report it, I, I think, kind of like, oh, you see, what does it say here? Um, the next one comes from Ian Gillen's band, but appears later in their catalog. Razzle Dazzle is off their 2000 album Bananas. And then they kind of talk about it. But the way they treat it is like he gave that as a serious answer. I mean, I think he was just messing around with them. like Probably. <laughs> like it's not nothing against the song, but it's just hilarious to say that's a, a top five song of all time for him. Like, it's just hilarious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, that's why I laugh when I hear the song. But it's also just kind of a fun, funny song. All right, next up, uh, we have the track entitled Silver Tongue. Let's check it out. Starting off with a strong keyboard uh, 
keyboard guitar. <laughs> All right. That's no, good shit. It's kind of like metallic sounding, like almost synth loop in the background. This sounds like it could be something off of a Gillen album, like the music. You got some kind of sound effects in the background. Yeah. Like, does it sound like a keyboard patch or something? Like a sequencer or something? That, I think it's that, just like that kind of metallic edge that's on the on whatever he's using for a, a synth on that like leap or almost like sounds like a sequencer of some sort. It's not, it reminds me of what they did on uh, at the end of uh, Whoosh. You know, the bonus track, uh, uh, the heck's the uh, Dancing in My Sleep. Hmm. Then it gets super proggy. Distant screams by Gillen. One of those latter years, kind of like lowish screams from Gillen, which I like. That whoa! <laughs> He's like really putting his whole body into it. Kind of a bluesy Jimi Hendrix type of thing. Oh, yeah, it is kind of Hendrixy. Also sounds a little bit like the end of the riff the, on uh, Rap Bat Blue. But his vocal delivery in the verses sounds like something off accidentally on purpose, and I can't. Oh yeah. Can't put my finger on it. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yep. Yep. Can't I can't think of what song it is. Just nice bluesy fills in there, very basic, just effective stuff. Kind of live feeling with Gillen singing along to it. I can dream in any language is kind of a cool, interesting line. Nice. All right. Another lot of fade, fade outs on this album. I think they've all been fade outs so far. What do you think of Silver Tongue? 
So, um, I mean, I, I thought it was really good. Um, I'm going to go to 4.5. All right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think it had a little bit of everything. You had a kind of a really, um, I think it was uh, kind of uh, influential from all sorts of different places. Like mm-hmm. you had, uh, like I said, that that intro was kind of a really very bluesy, like I said, very Hendrixy type of sound and thing. And then the the verse was very heavy, um, mm-hmm. just very chugging. And then I think the um, I think that his vocal melody was kind of like Evil Eye off Gillen and Glover. Oh, okay, accidentally on purpose. Uh, ba ba da 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 da. You know, that oh, type of thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was that. I could be wrong, but because it, it's hard to think about the melody of a different song when you're listening to another song. Yep. Um, but I mean, I, I thought that just the way the, the song was, uh, the song was mixed, the way it flowed, it just had this kind of really, um, just this really heavy and engaging uh, feel to it. Um, I thought it was, um, it's got to be easily so far one of my favorites on this. So, I mean, unless the, unless the album goes downhill, you know, I don't, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you'll be able to beat it. All right. But yeah, this, this kind of stuff is my jam. And I think Gillen sounds uh, great. I think they all sound great, but I mean, I think that uh, Gillen in particular, especially after you talked about the, the vocal recording process, I think mm-hmm. at this point in time, uh, I mean, well, I mean, even we know now, 20 years later, he still sounds phenomenal. But I yep. mean, even at this time, the performance he puts in, this recorded performance, uh, he, he sounded like really, really good. All right. I will give this one a four. I really like it, too. It's kind of got that the keyboards have almost like that, like um, sort of industrial sound to them. Um, I think it's a really kind of cool, interesting song. Don't have much yeah, yeah. Um, on this song. Michael Bradford says, uh, the song started off as a jam. It was just a matter of putting the riffs and sections in the right order. I processed Don's clavinet to give the song a little bit of mechanized feel. Well, there you go. That explains it. Of course, those are Ian's cryptic lyrics. I think it's a classic purple tune. I even think it could work as a single. So his cryptic lyrics are about, you know, dreaming in any language, flying in his magic bed. Um, but he kind of, yeah, it's kind of weird lyrics. <laughs> I don't know, what he's, don't know what he's talking about. It's one of those things. I don't know what you're talking about, but I like hearing you do it. So, yeah. All right. And that leaves us with the final track on the first half of this album before we... Uh, uh, and part one of our dive into bananas, and that is the song Walk On. It's a bit of a longer track here. And this one was also written by Gillen and Bradford.
And I don't know why, but the lyrics in this booklet are not in the right order for the album. That drives me crazy. sent me a, I think it might have been Jorg sent me a, I don't know, a few months back, somebody doing a cover of this song and it was really good. I mean, I think this version's great as well. I don't know how to classify this. I really love this song, but I think, I don't, like, I don't know what it is. Like, it, it's got this kind of like bluesiness to it that I really like. We, well, yeah, I was going to say, if you, if you gave this to like a, a blues artist, I could picture the like the fills, the blues fills being in there during the verse, like Yeah, I'd love to hear uh, Like if Bernie Marsden was doing it I'd love to hear Robert Cray doing this song Yeah, yeah, it's a very it emotional like song Yeah, I feel like you could kind of classify what we've heard so far as this kind of a, a like a spin on um, on some bluesy type of uh, stuff, like actual blues. Not that all rock and roll isn't, but yeah, right. But I feel like it's a little more um, obvious, a little more intentional. Some of these songs. Yeah, this to me like harkens back to those songs of the of the um, 70s, like in just thinking in the Deep Purple category, like Blind Man or Nevermore by Elf or, you know, those, those songs that just had this like kind of epic quality about them. I've just secured a uh, a modeling deal with Skinner Reconsidered. It's gonna be posting my pictures. 
I, bet, I hope he ramps up production for these shirts. Another another song it kind of it doesn't really sound much like it but it reminds me of in the feel of it is uh, My Precious Love by Lenny Kravitz. Oh, I haven't heard that one in a while. Oh, it's so good. I haven't really heard any Lenny Kravitz in a while. Yeah, a few months ago I revisited I listened to all his albums, every single one starting with the first one and just in order on like commutes back and forth to work and listen to some albums I hadn't ever heard revisited the old ones a non-fade out Trippy ending. The Pink Floyd sort of (laughs) sort of ending there. I'll say I got like another like thirty seconds to go. It's it's really interesting because if this was back in the days of the of the record, this would be a really cool way to end the side, you know. Like this, yeah. this really weird, unexpected, off kilter sort of ending. All right. Well, that's walk on. Uh, John, what do you think of that? Um, I mean, yeah, it was. It was good, um, but um, let's see. I'm going to give it a three. Um, I thought it was good. Um, I like how the, the pace was slowed down. I like the vibe of the song. The song was a vibe. <laughs> the song was a mood. <laughs> it, was, it was a mood. I can't like, remember if we talked Roper. about that on the episode or off the episode last week. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, but... Um, but yeah, I think it was, um, yeah, it was, it was a bit, um, I would say it was a bit long, but, um, but I would say that it's, um, it's definitely, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, I don't think that it's, um, boring. I don't think that it's filler. I think it's actually really good. It's just kind of a, like we said, kind of a really bluesy type of song, like almost an authentically bluesy sounding type of song that you can kind of, you know, jive along with, but, um, I don't know. I think it it might be missing like a little something like a, like I said, those kind of, um, you know, when you get a blues artist that, you know, do those kind of like um, those fills where they like, you know, hold a note and do like a vibrato or they do kind of like a little run in between like, um, oh, yeah, like the, if they had, the verse vocals. If they put those little interstitial fills in there. Yeah. Like I was, I was kind of missing that, but it's like, then again, would that be really what they would, you know, deep purple is never, really tried to do anything like, Hey, let's copy this style or something. So, I mean, if it wasn't authentic to say how Steve Morse was playing, then yeah, he didn't do it. But, um, 
or shouldn't have done it. But, um, you know, that's maybe what it was missing in my opinion, but, um, mm-hmm. that made it, made it like really a great song. But then again, it would have just been another, um, kind of like a lazy blues song. Um, although this didn't feel that way no. because a, a lazy blues song is if you go, but um but no it was it was good it was good um i would say it was a little short of great but i still enjoyed it so all right yeah i just looked up that that video it was actually over a year ago that york sent me that video (laughs) time has no meaning i was like i was like i was like two months ago um yeah i give this one a 4.5 i really really like this song I like the performance of it. Um, I think it's 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 a really good, and I think that's what I like about what I've always thought that I liked about this album. And in revisiting it so far, I am confirming it. I like that they're trying <clears throat> trying a lot of different. They hit a lot of the marks that you would expect that they would hit during this era and with these new players and everything. But they also, to me, I feel like they're it's a level of experimentation that I don't know that they ever really returned to. Um, Mm-hmm. And it could have been due to the success of the album or whatever. Maybe it was a conscious effort to not be maybe quite as experimental. But I I really like this track. I think it's a really good one. Great way to mm-hmm. great way to close out the, the the first half, even though it's not on a. Well, I, I guess if this was the record release of this, which is extremely valuable if you have it. So congratulations. Um, I do not, but I don't know if it's a two record set. I'm assuming it must be because it's just too long, but. It, it would have closed out one of the four sides. And I think it's a really strong, strong song. So. Yeah, I definitely think it's a great uh, side closer mm-hmm. or at least episode closer, whatever was, would this have been the close to the side of the album? It, well, it, one of it, it would probably be four sided album because if it was on a, you know, on vinyl, I, I'm assuming, I don't know, but. Okay. Um, well, I just know that like in the, in this era, like even though, um, you know, there were CDs and everything like that. And even now with streaming, I know that if you're going for like a play order, there's still like a quote unquote, like end to a side, you know? Yeah. So I feel like this would have been that. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, okay. So there you go. That closes out the first half of the album about this song. Um, uh, Bradford says, I had actually written Walk On some time ago, but I never had a use for it. I played it on guitar for Ian and Roger, and they really liked it. Ian rewrote the lyrics in a way that made the song flow better and removed some of the bitterness of my original lyrics. In rehearsal, I started the song off by playing that little guitar. Oh, I forgot to mention that he plays guitar on this as well. Um, part that gets the good groove going. We did that way for so long that we cut it that way as well that left steve able to do the other stuff while the track was going down also the solo that steve played was first take shot from the original rhythm track i consider walk on to be quite possibly a major hit should it be released as a single it is clear to me that your working relationship with ian gillen is a very successful one oh i'm sorry that was what mike responded to him (laughs) It's like, who is he talking to? Um, so there you go. Um, okay. So with that, we, we know we'll, everything's entered into the spreadsheet. John, you don't have to worry. You don't have to fumble with it just yet. You're, you're, oof. Oof, you're relieved of your spreadsheet duties until next week. 
Safe for now. Uh, yeah, exactly. But will he make it? We, we, we don't know. But one thing you're not safe from is uh, thanking our next round of patrons, of course. And that begins, um, our foundation level, I should say, begins with none other than the Deep Purple New York tier, the £3.50 Deep Purple New York tier, and that is Lord Longford. At the £3 Aromatic Feed tier, Simon Ford and Richard Brees. At the $3.33 Halfway to Evil tier, Stephen Sharp and Duncan Leesk. At the $3 Nobody's Perfect tier, we have Peter Gardeau. Ian DeRosier, Mark Roback, Stuart McCord. Then, of course, we have Ivan Fjeldboo. Runar Siemensen. J.J. Sennard, Ruinous Inadequacies, John Maselli. Go to your room. I'm in my room. Then stay here. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Boyette and, of course, Corey Morissette. At the $1.71 I Want My Own Tear tier, we have... Rich, Young, at the 10 kroner tier, Karsten Lau. And at the $1 made-up name tier, we have the House of Drain, or no drain, well, too much drain, Leaky Mausoleum, Stephen Somerville, the Concerto 1999 fanatic, Hank the Tank, Private Eyes, Ashen Lionel, <laughs> Blackmore Tights, Steve Down to Earth Kohler, Zwopper the Electric Alchemist, Anders Engstrom, and Ashley, still I hear burn. Thank you so much to all of you for your generous support of the Deep Purple Podcast. All right. Well, there you go, folks. There you have it. The first half of Bananas. Will the second half be so abominable that this will come in last on our list? Is it the worst Deep Purple album ever? Mm. I'm, I'm thinking not, it's, from what I've heard so far. It seems unlikely, but you never know. Could really tank in the second half. Let us know what you think, guys. Or let us know, hey, maybe I'm sure a lot of people listening to this maybe haven't listened to it in a really long time or listened to it when it first came out, formed opinions, and you listen to it 20 years later and say, oh, maybe it's not as bad as I thought, or maybe it's worse than I thought, or maybe it's just about the same. Let us know. But I know that it was kind of a... Uh, I don't want to say a dark period, but like kind of a, a low period for the band as far as concert attendance and stuff like that. And they've kind of really built it back up since then. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know, maybe all that kind of plays into it. But listen to listening to it with fre- fresh ears, I am rather enjoying it so far. I am too. All right. Well, do we have any other business to... Uh, we just have to have our meeting. What was our meeting supposed to be about? Oh, the, uh, the Hughes-Oween meeting? No, yes, the Hughes-Oween meeting after... After we conclude this, yeah, episode. we're going to convene the Hughes-Oween committee. Is going to get together and uh, <laughs> see what modifications have to be made. Yes, will they appear in next week's show? Eh, probably not, but we'll see. Yeah, we might have to. We might have to table our discussion for the next week or do some of that. You know, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? So much red tape to cut through on this podcast. <laughs> 
<laughs> red. <laughs> Purple tape, I guess. A red. <laughs> well, yeah. I was going to say the, <laughs> yeah, the red car wash. Let's get a red. <laughs> yeah. I love that. That's what I'm going to, yeah. When, when, when we get so many patrons that we can quit our jobs, me and John are just going to go. We're going to go in his car and we're just going to treat ourselves to a red car wash. <laughs> Well, like, I was thinking the uh, I was thinking the uh, the, the platinum the or super whatever, platinum but... diamond experience. No, no, we we can't. We got to be. Who knows when this gravy train of uh, the deeper podcast will come to a halt? <laughs> we got to save our money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you never know. Yeah, when we have to cancel yeah. the show. Oh yeah, we we never were able to build that new computer, and my computer died, so we can't do the show anymore because we did too many red car washes. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, right now the retirement plan sucks. So. <laughs> yeah, see, uh, what, the 401k matches are working for you? No, well, the, the non-existent plan is not working. We'll match you up to um, a ticket to see Glenn Hughes every couple years. Or, or I mean, whatever. it's still a benefit, but... Yeah, you got some records and some, yeah, we'll match you. I'll put up, can, can you deposit a, a second copy of Burn into your bank account or something? I don't know. Yeah, I gotta throw away that first one. And that jackass never came. sent you a return thing, right? Yeah, nope. yeah. I mean, it wasn't yeah, very expensive, them. but these freaking Jerk. people. Oh no, yeah, this is, this album that I uh, I take in the bathtub with me is in very good condition. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, uh, scrub a dub dub. Oh hey, somebody wants this. It's just floating it's around in there with all suds and bubbles everywhere. I'm <laughs> <laughs> taking a shower with it. That's what it looks like. It does. It looks like, yeah, it looks like you just, like, well, you know, I, I really want to read these, uh, the, the back of this album. I want to, I want to re- see who uh, produced it while I'm, while I'm bathing. Unbelievable. All right, John. Well, always a pleasure to listen to some Deep Purple with you. And uh, yeah. I guess we'll uh, catch up next week. Yeah. And until our next fruity episode, stay peeled. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Deep Purple Podcast. If you like what you hear and would like more episodes in the future, please donate on Patreon to support the show. You can also leave us a review in Apple Podcasts to help new people discover the show. You can follow us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for show updates. See deeppurplepodcast.com for more details. Thank you for listening. Hey-o. Hey-o. All right. I'm in my podcast, Moo Moo. Let's do this. I came to drop bombs, I got more rhymes than the Bible's got so 